John chapter 15, verses 12 to 17. My commandment is this, love one another just as I love you. The greatest love you can have for your friends is to give your life for them. And you are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants anymore. However, because servants do not know what their master is doing. Instead, I call you friends because I have told you everything I heard from my father. You did not choose me, I choose you, and I appointed you to go and bear much fruit, the kind of fruit that endures. And so the Father will give you whatever you ask of him in my name. This then is what I command you, love one another. The word of the Lord.
Let us pray. Lord, we come by here seeking your love, seeking your grace, seeking your mercy, seeking your word for us this day. And so may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, you who are our rock, our strength, and our redeemer. Amen. Love is complicated. Am I right? It feels like so much of our life is committed to pursuing or maintaining love. And I'm going to generalize a bit because I realize not everyone is seeking a relationship or a partner in life. But for many of us, we do. We seek companionship. We seek connection. We seek love. Single people look for partners. Married people look to keep their romance alive, which is not always love, by the way. Passion, romance is not the same as love. And I think we see that in some marriages where the passion begins to die down and they realize that they came together not necessarily out of love in the first place, and so maybe they divorce. It is love that keeps marriages going alive even through the challenges. It's not always going to be passion and romance all the time. Sometimes love means knowing when your partner needs you to leave the room. Sometimes love is sitting in silence watching television or reading books. Sometimes love is telling someone they did wrong and they need to correct it. In other words, love is complicated. And love is sometimes hard to receive. There are days when we just don't feel like we can be loved. I know I've had those days. Days are just not working out. Days when you feel like you've been an incredible failure. Days when you feel like the world hates you because you messed up, or at least you think you did. And sometimes someone who loves you comes to you in those moments to make you feel better. And we can't hear their words, we can't receive it, we don't, because we feel like we're not worthy of being loved right now. Real, authentic, true love sees past these things. True love is love for a person, their personality, everything they are as a human being. That's who we love. It doesn't mean they're perfect. It may mean we don't even like them all the time. We can be angry. But ultimately, we do love them. And that person could be a partner, a spouse, a family member, a good friend. These are the, tend to be the people we love the most. These tend to be the people we would do anything for. You need something, anytime, anywhere, anyhow. Call us and we will be there. Why? Because we care so deeply about them. We love them. For instance, our children may not always make the best decisions in life. Some children may even get to the point where we can no longer have them in our homes or our lives. We need them out. But that does not mean we stop loving them. Love is complicated. It's hard to receive. It's hard to give at times. Yet love is quite possibly the most important thing we have in the world right now. 
In a world that is split and divided over so many things, love may be just what we need right now. It may be the remedy for many of life's problems, the world's problems. Over the last few weeks, we've been talking about the importance of following Jesus, of knowing Jesus. We've talked about following him. we talked about letting him lead us and guide us. And today we're going to talk about love. Not necessarily about loving Jesus, but receiving the love he has for us. Now this might bring up some memories or emotions in you, especially if we consider how far Jesus was willing to go to show you his love. I've had a number of conversations with people over the years who have told me about their relationship with Jesus, and they couldn't receive the love because they didn't feel good enough. They didn't feel like they deserved it. It goes back to what I said already. Love can be hard to receive at times, even if we, especially if we do not feel worthy of being loved. Yet in our reading from John 15, what does Jesus say? This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. We love one another as he loved us. It's his commandment. He said, this is my commandment, which means it's really, really important. But this an interesting thing about the wording. Love one another as I have loved you. So where do we get the example about how to love one another? Well, we see how Jesus loves us. First John chapter 4, starting at verse 16, says this. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. God is love. Whoever abides in the love abides in God and God abides in them because God loved us first. And of course, we all know John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that all who believe in him may have eternal life. God loved us first. King David knew this. He wrote about it in Psalm 139. For my frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me when, yet as, when as yet none of them were known. In love, God made a plan for your life. It's up to you whether or not you choose to follow that plan. But God made a plan. And David knew this very well. Now, some people struggle with the concept of God being a loving father. And most often the reason is because of their own experience with their earthly father, or earthly parents, biological parents. As children, we look to our parents for so many things. We look for them to take care of us in life. We look for encouragement, support, guidance, trust, and love. This is the natural order of things. We learn how to love and live by the example of our parents. 
But in some instances, this relationship is broken for any number of reasons, really. Addictions, poverty, mental health issues. Sometimes our own parents had terrible parents and never learned how to be a good parent. If someone has not had a positive parental experience in their life, trusting God as the good, loving Father He is is going to be difficult. And if we cannot trust our Heavenly Father, how can we possibly trust the Son? And I understand this, I get it. I'm lucky enough to have a great relationship with my parents, but not everyone does. And when people hear God is a great, loving Father that is perfect, they struggle. Because what is in our mind is the image of our imperfect parents who cannot be perfect. And we struggle with this. And maybe we think about the, old, the stories of the Old Testament, the stories of judgment and violence, and we think, how is that an example of a loving God? Well, the first thing we need to remember is the world is a violent place. It always has been. And I pray that it not, won't always be, but the world is a violent place. And why is it a violent place? Well, it's because of humans and our propensity for sin. And yes, there are times in the Bible when God does things that we might consider unfair or even cruel, but we need to look at the bigger picture. We need to step back and realize that even in those moments, God will show his love and his grace. For example, why did Moses not get to enter into the promised land? Why did God string him along through the desert for 40 years just to take away the promised land at the last possible moment? Well, how old was Moses when he died? Anyone remember? He was 120 years old. That's a little longer than the average lifespan, even for that time in the world. And so God, in his love, allowed Moses to live long enough to see the prize after walking in the desert for 40 years. He started this journey when he was 80. And then God showed him the prize and took him home to his heavenly reward. It was time for a new leader to lead the Israelites, a younger leader. Moses had fulfilled the job that God had given him to lead the Israelites through the wilderness. And now he's received a far greater reward than the city of Jericho. When you read these old stories of the Old, of the old Testament, we need to realize the times they were living in. We need to realize that nations fought constantly. And they were fighting over the basic necessities of life, access to good farmland, access to water. They were fighting to survive. And when we read these stories, we look for God's grace, for God's love. It is there, just as it is here with us today. We don't always see it, especially when we're watching the news and seeing all the stories of all the terrible things happening in the world. But I promise you, God is still working. He's working among those who follow him, those who call upon him as father, those who seek his love, his relationship, those who are seeking to let all of his children know of the great love God has for them. But they aren't listening. 
Just as in the Old Testament, there are many, many times when the people weren't listening. And what happened? Their world fell apart. Not unlike how our world is falling apart. There's one time in the Bible where God decided to do something when the world completely fell apart because they did not know him. And what did he do? He found the one man, the one family who still believed in him, and he gave them a job to do. They built an ark. Noah and his family built an ark, and they saved all the animals as God flooded the earth and destroyed everything. He did it once. And when it was all said and done, what did God promise? He promised he would never do it again. That's the difference between God and us. If I were God, I think I'd be hitting that reset button a whole lot. Kind of like when I play a video game and things aren't going the way I want them to. Hit the reset button and start over again. But that's not who God is. He did it once, and he cannot do it again. Because he loves us all too much. We're not a video game to God. We are his life, we are his creation, and he loves us too much. So when we're still not living up to his expectations, when we're still not seeing just how much he really does love us, what did he do? Well, God sent his son among us to show us how to live and how to love as God loves us. And he did it in person. And what did we do? We killed him. We crucified him. But not before. Not before he had fully shown us how much he loves us and how we are to love one another. So back to our reading from John 15. What else did Jesus have to say? He said, Greater love has none than this, as someone lay down his life for his friends. Who in your life would you, would you be willing to sacrifice your own for? I'm going to guess that list is pretty short. And when Jesus said that, he was being prophetic. He was telling his friends something they would remember later after Jesus gave his own life for them. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down their life for their friends. There's no greater love for you than the love of Jesus. And God the Father who sent him. How do we know this? Because Jesus gave his life not just for the disciples. He gave his life for you. Because he loves you. Sins, warts, failures and all. Jesus loves you. There's nothing you can do in this world that will keep God from loving you. How do we know? Well, he hasn't hit the reset button again. When we look around, we have every reason to believe he should. But he won't. Because he loves you. And Jesus shows us all this love in person, in flesh, every single day. And this is a life-changing love that you will never find anywhere else in this whole entire world. It's not on the mountaintop. It's not in the valleys. It's not at the furthest reaches of the sea. It is with you right here, right now, and stays with you every single moment of every single day. In 
and through Jesus Christ. It is the same Jesus who gave his life on the cross in the ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate expression of love as he gave his life for your own. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down their life for their friends. There's no greater love than the love of God found in Jesus Christ as he laid down his life for you. So come to know Jesus. Invite him into your life like never before. Let him lead you. Let him guide you. Let him love you. Let him reveal to you God's greatest gift for you. His love. Let us pray. Gracious and loving Father, we confess that we often struggle with this concept of your awesome love. Speak to us. Show us. Let us experience this love like never before. Be one with us as we seek to be one with you by getting to know Jesus, by letting him lead us and letting him love us. Lord, may you speak to our hearts this day and every day. May you pour out your love and fill our hearts like never before as we come to know our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gives us life, love, and mercy. Amen. Thank you for listening to Be Still and Know, a ministry of Carmen United Church in Sydney Mines. To learn more about our ministry, please visit our website, www.carmenunited.ca. May God bless you this day.